Please take a moment to stand, shake someone's hand, especially if you see someone that you think is a visitor. Please, please let them know that we welcome them here at Theresa Baptist Church. Let's do that right now. It is good to see everybody here. Uh, we, we thank you, especially if you're a first-time visitor. There's some visitor's cards in the hymn rack. If you'd get one of those and fill it out, we'd appreciate some information about you. And if you have a special re- prayer request, if you would put that on that card, we would honor that this coming week. Uh, I'm going to ask Stan Harris, one of our deacons, to come forward. He's going to lead us in our opening prayer. As Stan is coming um, this past week. Come on up here, Stan. Um, this past week... Uh, I saw Stan, and um, he kind of seemed a little bit disgruntled. I said, Stan, what's wrong? He said, it's the warranty on these tires I got. And I said, well, what's the warranty? He said, just just 12 months. I said, well, you know, that's unusual for tires, isn't it? And he said, well, they're good years, good for a year. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Uh, look, but just a little icebreaker, Stan. Good to no see problem. you, sir. And look, so, booty... Booty Wilkerson's here. He is one of my favorite uptown people, if you know what I mean by it. Booty, is, Booty, we are just so glad to have you. He's a very faithful member at Long Memorial Methodist Church. Booty is 99 and a half years old. He will be. And, um, 
is Hundred's birthday is next March, and Booty, I hope I hope you're you. I hope we all get to come to your birthday party here. But uh, Booty is just a fine man. Booty, we just appreciate it. You know, if a ninety-nine and a half-year-old man can come to church, that says something, doesn't it? I think the rest of us can get here too. But anyway, anyway, and our how old are you? <laughs> and while we at it, you know, Herbert told me the other day he was in the snapdragon years of his life. Part of him snap, rest of him dragon. <laughs> Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, the beautiful day you provided us with. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Father. We just thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We just thank you for everything you do for us, your love, your grace, which without we would not have any hope for a future. But we know now that by your son going to the cross and shedding his blood, we have eternal life, Father, and through him, and, and we're just so thankful for that. We're thankful, thankful for Herbert. We pray, Father, that you'll guide him and direct him in his sermon today and just give him the words to say that will fill our hearts and souls with joy. We ask this all in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, Stan. And look, um, we're we're starting back on our our fall schedule now. Since school is back in, uh, the youth will have their end of summer uh, youth supper and event at Stan and Kate uh, Cruz Lake House that will begin at three o'clock and end around seven. Also tonight, Awana starts again. That is for age two through grade five. They are, they'll uh, begin at six o'clock and it goes through seven thirty. And the adult worship service will be here at the church at 6 o'clock. Don't forget the two exercise classes during the week, Monday night, uh, Thursday night uh, at 6 in the fellowship hall. The Bible study on Tuesday night at 6.30. And Wednesday night, there's uh, a number of things, again, that are going to get started up again. Um, the act teens at 6 o'clock and also the music committee will meet at that time. And the youth parent council meeting will be at 6.30, and then we'll have our regular schedule services at 7, the Mission Friends, GAs, RAs, the youth, the Young Women's Bible Study, and the Adult Bible Study, followed by the choir practice. And so we would encourage you to come and be a part of that. Next Sunday night, we begin our our fall revival, Uh, Reverend David Chambers is going to be leading us, Pastor at Antioch. We've got some posters and some handouts. I hope that you'll take these, and I hope that you're already praying for the revival. Uh, next Sunday night, he couldn't be here next Sunday morning, so we'll, I'll preach next Sunday morning, but we'll begin that, that night, okay? And we're going to begin with a covered dish supper at 6 o'clock. I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Also, the Wednesday night of revival, we're going to have a family night supper. There's sheets in the Sunday school room and on uh, bulletin boards that you can uh, you can you can sign up to to eat supper with us. Uh, the menus on that, and the price is six fifty per plate for adults and three fifty for children. We're not trying to make money off of this. That's just to recover the cost of the food. Okay. Also, we're going to need a nursery worker. Uh, volunteers for that night also, and we would appreciate you volunteering to serve in the nursery. Um, this coming Saturday, the uh, missions group of um, Antioch Baptist Church will be having a fundraiser at the Merritt's Common in downtown 
uh, Roxborough, I just wanted to mention that to you. They're going to have a 5K walk that begins, adult walk and run that begins at 7.30 in the morning. And uh, then a half a mile family or half a K family walk and run that begins at, at 9 o'clock. All this information will be on posted on the bulletin board, and we certainly encourage you to, um, to, to be a part of that if you would like to do that. Uh, there's an insert about the Shonda Pierce tour that will be coming to Durham on October the 8th. If you would be interested in going that, she's a Christian comedian uh, and inspirational speaker. And also uh, the senior adult orchard trip uh, to, uh, to the mountains to get apples. Uh, if, if there's enough people, there will be two trips, but the first one will be on October the 14th and the second one on October the 21st. Um, this morning, there are many folks that we need to lift up to the Lord in prayer. Uh, first of all, let me um, share that Weldon Bose was admitted back into the VA uh, on Friday. Uh, so please lift Weldon up in prayer. Joe Lee in Salisbury, Shorty Clayton at uh, Roxborough Nursing Center and Rehab. Larry Honeycutt is still at the Hillcrest Rehab Center. Sue Carver is at Person Memorial. Lucille Parker at UNC Memorial. Uh, this week at North Carolina Specialties Hospital, Rhonda Oakley, this is not on the list, but Rhonda Oakley will have uh, surgery tomorrow at North Carolina Specialties, and Kaylee Jeffrey uh, will have surgery Tuesday. Kaylee is, uh, is uh, Josephine Carey's granddaughter. Um, she is uh, uh, five or six uh, years old, but please remember her in prayer. Uh, at Duke, Carolyn Fuller had surgery this week. She is still there. Felix Gentry was in the hospital at Duke for several days. He came home yesterday. Sonia Vaughn will begin treatment again on Monday. Have I got that day right, John Lawrence and Cindy? Is it Monday? Which? The 20th. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. But still remember Sonia in prayer. And also, W.A. O'Brien and his son, uh, Cameron, Cameron Wilburn, uh, come to the 11 o'clock service. As you know, Cameron has been in and out of the hospital in his young life and was admitted back into Duke on Friday night and possibly will come home today. But please remember him, Cameron Wilburn. Please remember these folks. We celebrate with Nancy Alkins and Renee Gentry. They finished their radiation treatments this past week. But... Uh, Please continue to remember uh, Chuck Ford, that is Carlton's son, who is taking radiation treatment. Emma Dean Blalock has come home. She was in Duke. Jeanette Hargrove was in Duke for several days. J.B. Bloom, many of you know him. He was also in Duke. Um, please remember these others at home. Franklin Briggs is here, but please continue to remember him. Varys Carver, who is taking treatments. Elma Clayton. Mary Alice Clayton, G.H. Clayton, Brenda Compton, Liz Cole, uh, Ricky Dixon, uh, Doyen Duncan, Reverend Brian Hager and, and Donald Wilson, Roger Hatcher, Ira Jones, Thomas Long, Brenda Stegall, Matthew Thornburg, and Rocky Stewart, Casey and Donna Wilburn, Joyce Wren, uh, Joyce as you know, we've been praying for her. She's been taking cancer treatments, chemotherapy, but she now has the shingles. So please, please lift her up in prayer. At home, Taxi Wren, uh, Evelyn Warren, Denny Wren, and Pam Wren. Uh, 
thank you for praying for my brother in South Carolina. He got good reports from his heart test. But please remember these other folks out of town, Joy Painter, Edward Solomon, Bobby House, Mary Thompson, and D. Knott. And please pray for our revival. Please remember the flood victims in Texas and other states in the southeast that have been affected, the people in Florida and Georgia. Please remember the pastor search committee. And please remember these folks that lost loved ones this past week. Uh, Corey Wall, is, as all of you, I'm sure, know, lost his dad, Roger. Uh, and Corey wanted me to express his appreciation to the church for praying for he and his mother, Pam, and for the love that's been extended to them during this time. Also, Mr. George Stone, many of you know him. He's a member of our community, lives next door to Weldon, Weldon and Helen. He, he also died this past week, so please remember that family. Pray with me now. Father, we're grateful that we can enter into a time of prayer lifting up others. Lord, so often our focus is on ourselves, and Lord, we know that there's nothing wrong with that, but Father, teach us to bear the burdens of others and to minister to them through prayer. So God, we pray for the many that are in hospitals and for the ones that will have surgeries this coming week and for the ones that are recovering from the surgeries this past week. We pray your blessings on them. We rejoice with those that have completed cancer treatments, but we continue to pray, Lord, for those that will continue cancer treatments. God, please bless them all. Give them strength. Renew their health, God, as they battle cancer. And God, for those that grieve, Lord, we especially lift Corey and his family, his mother up. God, we just thank you for... The fact that the word of God teaches and even your son taught and demonstrated that death is not the end for the child of God and for the believer. And Father, we just thank you that our hope does not stop at the graveside, but our hope begins at the cross. And Father, as we come in these moments, I know that probably there are many folks in this number that have burdens that they can't leave outside of this building And so, Father, I lift all of those up to you also, and I pray that you'll bless and keep folks in your care. And, God, I just thank you for this church. I pray, Father, that you would bless it. Lord, we're no better than any other church, but, Lord, you have blessed us, and may we praise you and honor you. God, I pray that our our worship of you would extend beyond Sunday mornings, that daily, Lord, we would praise you for who you are, for who you have been in our lives, for what your son has done for us, and for the place he has prepared for us throughout eternity so that we could be with you. And fathers, we pray together. We remember the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our verse of the month has come from Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read this verse together. 
If you read this prophecy aloud to the church, you will receive a special blessing from the Lord. Those who listen to it being read and do what it says will also be blessed. For the time is near when those things will all come true. This time I'm asking our young, young children to come down to the front for our children's moment.
Join us now as we sing Onward Christian Soldiers, hymn 660, and we'll sing all three, four verses. So everyone stand, please.
thank you for your faithful support of the Lord's work here at this church. May God continue to bless us as we give faithfully our tithes and offerings to him. Tim Wade, Tim, would you lead us in prayer? Kind Father, we are so thankful for these precious moments that we have in your house to be with you this morning, Father. Lord, we know that you're in our presence. Father, we love you so much, and we praise you for the blessings that you've poured upon us. As we come to this portion of the service, Father, that we give back to you the portion which is yours. Lord, we just pray that you'd bless both the gift and the giver to further your kingdom. In the precious name of the Savior Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Tell me of a home where the storm clouds rise. 
as we begin the new church year, um, I would encourage you, well, you know, you don't have to be uh, a gifted singer if you just like to make a joyful noise to the Lord. All of the choirs would be glad to have you, whether it's the men's choir, the adult choir, the praise and worship choir. Um, who am I leaving out? Handbell choir. Uh, anybody else? Did I yeah. Kip, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave the Kip out. They did such a wonderful job last last Sunday morning, didn't they? I hope you've got your Bibles open again to Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read the scripture passage again. Um, and folks, I know that it seems like it's taken forever to get through these passages of scripture. But folks, I don't think the word of God is something that we should rush through. As if we can rush through it and we're finished with it and we can lay it down and walk. This word will stand eternally. And what the Lord is promising through the writings of John here in Revelation is what is before us. And and we can't fully understand it all, but boy, what a view John is giving us. So let me read again Revelation 19, beginning with verse 11. John said, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has his, has a name inscribed which no one knows but himself. He is clad in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, followed him on white horses. And we're going to pick up at verse 15 this morning, okay? So listen to this. From his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to smite the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly in mid-heaven, Come gather for the great supper of God. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gather to make war against him who sits upon the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in its presence had worked the signs by which he had deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped this image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword of him who sits upon the horse, the sword that issues from his mouth. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Chapter 20, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key, of the bottomless pit in a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were ended. After this, he must be leased or loosed for a little while. Pray with me that God would speak. Father, we know that unless you give us wisdom as we study your word, that Lord, your ways, your thoughts, especially about the end times, are far beyond our ability to comprehend. But thank you that by the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, 
Lord, we can understand that all is well because your son is not only coming back to rapture the church out of the world, but he's coming back to destroy Satan and all of his forces. And God, I pray that as we study this passage of Scripture, you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to understand that the most important decision that we can make in this life is whether we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord or whether we reject him and live in sin and selfishness and self-centeredness and in disobedience to you. God, please be in our midst this morning and speak to our hearts. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. I'll remind you once again that in chapters 19 and 20 of Revelation, there are five key events that are taking place here. We've already studied the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're studying in these verses that I've read that Christ will return to earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that after we get through this passage of Scripture, that Jesus is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. That's in Revelations 20, verse 4, 5, and 6. Then Satan's final revolt against God in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, verse 11 and 15. Folks, let me go back now to chapter 19, verse 15. Two weeks ago, as we were looking at this verse, as we began, from the Lord's mouth issues a sharp sword which to smite the nations. Remember again that the armies of heaven have come together with Jesus. But folks, remember again that it will be unnecessary for the armies of heaven to fight because Jesus has already won the victory. And Jesus has already defeated all the forces of hell itself at the cross where he died. All the Lord has to do is speak his word and his enemies are destroyed. You remember that we gave illustrations out of the Gospels where Jesus spoke and things happened. And so when Christ returns to earth, he will punish the wicked nations. And so we pick up where Jesus says, or where John says in verse 15, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. A rod of iron meant an iron scepter. And again, you and I, it's hard for us to understand the the pageantry of all of this, that, that Jesus is coming back as a king of kings and lord of lords, and just as a, a king on earth would have a, an iron scepter that is symbolic of his power to rule, Jesus will rule this world with a rod of iron. And folks, I want to just pause for just a minute. I want to go all the way back to the book of Psalms. And If you want to turn back to Psalms 2, that's fine. If you just want to follow with me as I read it off the overhead. You see, all of the Old Testament is in preparation for the New Testament. In Psalms chapter 2, or Psalms 2, is a psalm that promises not only that a Messiah would come through the seed of King David, but it also speaks thousands of years in advance Not only when Jesus would come to earth as a baby in a manger, but it speaks too of Jesus coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords to set up his kingdom. And you might say, well, is that really true? Well, let me read this psalm to you. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Isn't that what we've been reading? 
in Revelation 16, 17, 18, the nations have con- conspired together and plotted against the Lord. They're going to dethrone God. They're going to destroy everything that would remind the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to God's response. Well, let me read a little bit more. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying. Now, again, remember, folks, the context is the Old Testament, the kingdom of David, but it goes beyond that context. The word of God always can speak not only to the past and present, to the future. And God in his word knew that the world would rebel more and more against him and against his son and in verse three listen to this the world is going to say let us burst their bonds asunder cast their cards from us isn't that happening in the book of revelation even during the tribulation the forces of satan have joined together and they're going to try and destroy everything about god and about his son but here's the response of the lord listen to this verse verse four he who sits in heaven are the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. I would remind you again in Revelation chapter 4, God the Father is sitting on his throne. In Revelation chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is sitting on his throne. And I don't think, I don't think we should interpret this laughter as they think this is funny. It is not. Jesus died that all men might come to faith in him. But folks, what I'm trying to say is any effort of Satan and evil and even the world to tear God down and destroy God is a laughing matter. They can't do it because he is God of all. Verse 5, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a what? A rod of iron. And that's exactly what Revelations 19.15 says. Jesus will come back and break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Folks, again, I want to point out to you, as I've done many times, God is a God of love. He is a God of grace. But he is also a holy and a righteous God. God cannot ignore sin, but must and will punish sin if not repented of, if not confessed, and not forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you don't hear anything else that I'm going to say today, please hear what I'm about to say. Today, God is dealing with us in grace, seeking to draw all men to his Son and to himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. But in Revelation 19, the day of grace is over. And again, I remind you, if you've read those chapters, chapters 6 through 18, that even as the judgment of God falls upon the world, the unbelieving world, instead of repenting and turning to God and say, have mercy upon us, we are sinners, they plot even in greater ways to tear God down. And they're not willing to repent. Folks, I want to tell you, one of the things that Satan uses, I believe, to cast people into hell is the hardening of a heart toward God. The Holy Spirit tries to speak. 
And folks, again, compare this back to the days of Noah. It wasn't because God was not a God of grace and God was speaking through Noah and God was speaking through the ark, but yet men's hearts were so hardened. And then the day of grace was over and the flood came. And here in Revelation 19, the day of grace is over and men will stand in judgment because they have rejected the Son of God. But again, today, Jesus is tenderly inviting the lost to come to him. But in the day of Revelation 19, his tenderness will be turned to judgment of sin. And Jesus will crush the head of the serpent. You remember that was a promise in Genesis chapter 3. And he will put down all of his enemies. And John continues in verse 15 of Revelation 19. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And folks, I want to tell you, this is a stern reminder that God hates sin. He does not approve of it. He does not tolerate it, but he judges it. And as you think about these words, remember that God had promised this day would come when he would judge sin. The Old Testament is called the the day of the Lord. Through the words of Jesus, his son, through the New Testament writers, even the Holy Spirit of God bears witness in our hearts that judgment is coming. And the Antichrist and his host have gathered together upon the earth ready to fight against the Lord. And folks, I want to remind you again, this expression, God the Almighty, there is one true God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to stop and pause just a second. Yesterday afternoon while I was in Durham, um, I was behind a taxi cab. Now, the folks... Look, God loves everybody, and he wants everybody to be saved, and I know that. And I, I hope you know that I know that, and I'm trying to preach that. So I'm not trying to condemn one group, but I do want to say something about Satan's lies. And there's so many different world religions right now, and there are people that are saying, as long as you have a religion, then you're going to get to heaven. That's not true, according to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And maybe you're getting tired of hearing me say that, but folks, that is the truth. But as I was following this taxi cab on the trunk was written, Allah Akbar. God is great, or God's greatness. And you remember that with many of the terrorist attacks, and I know that every Muslim is not a terrorist, but I want to tell you something. There is no other God beside the Lord God Almighty that is getting ready to judge this earth, and he reveals himself through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 16, John describes again Jesus. Again, remember, heaven is open. Jesus is in all his power and glory, and he's coming on the white horse. And he's followed by the mighty armies of those who have loved and trusted him. And John gives us another important detail about Jesus. Jesus, and Warren Wiersbe says this, I love this. Jesus' most important name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, this is not the first time that that expression has been used in Revelation 
Turn back with me to 17, verse 14. Revelation 17, 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called faithful and chosen. And folks, I want to point something out. There is Old Testament background to this expression. Let me just read some verses to you, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. God is speaking to Moses, or through Moses. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the terrible God who is not partial and takes no bribe. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 47, Daniel has revealed the dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar has had. And this, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says about God. The king said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of, ki- and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. And as I pick up in this, pick up on this, it's not going to make much sense, but listen to this. I charge you to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until appearing of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And this will be made manifest at the proper time by the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has ever seen or can see, to him be honor, and listen to this, eternal dominion. Would you you go up to the next frame? There we go. To him be honor and eternal dominion. And, And folks, listen. What does this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, really speak to It speaks of who Jesus truly is. He is the king above all kings. He is the Lord above all lords. And for us to understand this, you've got to remember that in John's day, the Roman government was in control, and the Roman Empire had been the religion of the people, and they worshipped the emperor. And John is seeing that no matter who was on the throne of the Roman Empire, Jesus Christ was king and Lord over all. And there is no one greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. And this title should put the entire book of Revelation in proper perspective for us. And I think I've mentioned this before. I want to mention it again. The book of Revelation is not simply the the revelation of future events, but primarily about who Jesus Christ is. Now, now let me just give you a quick outline of the book of Revelation, and this is a very simple, quick outline. In chapters 1 through 3, Jesus is the resurrected Lord. You remember in chapter 1, the resurrected Lord comes to where John is on the Isle of Patmos. Wouldn't you love to have been sitting on a rock beside John? And then in chapter 2 and 3, the resurrected Lord describes the churches. He is Lord over those churches. In Revelation 4 and 5, the focus is in heaven. John has, you know, come up hither. And he sees God the Father on the throne in chapter 4. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ on his throne in chapter 5. And then in chapter 6 through 18 that we've been studying as a tribulation... Jesus is revealed as the one who is a judge over all the earth. 
And here in these chapters, 19 and 20, Jesus is returning to earth as the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. And in chapters 21 and 22, the book of Revelation closes with a heavenly bridegroom coming to escort his bride, the church, into the glorious heavenly city that he has prepared. Folks, the the focus is on who Jesus is. And he's not some made-up mythical figure. He's not just some great religious hero. He is God's son. He is the savior of the world. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the soon-returning savior for all that wait upon him. Well, with that in mind, and I know my time is running out, but I want to point something out. In verses 17 through 21 is the description of the battle of Armageddon. The destruction of the wicked. Now again, folks, you're going to have some trouble probably going to say, well, how can you see God's grace in this? Folks, let me point something out. And perhaps I've already said this, but I want to say it again. Let me get a little bit farther in my notes because I think this is so important. Not because I'm saying it, but because somebody else has said it, okay? You know, when we read about God's love and about God's grace, we say, well, that's the inspired word of God. But let me tell you something else. When we read about the destruction of the wicked because they will not repent, those passages are just as inspired. You realize that? The same inspired word of God which so wonderfully describes the grace of God and the salvation which is available to all of us because Jesus died on the cross is also just as inspired as it talks about the judgment of all who reject the grace of God. The passage on judgment are accurate just as the passages about the coming of Jesus is accurate because, again, it is inspired by God. And I want you to hear this from my heart, not in a condemning way, because, folks, if it weren't for the grace and love of God, I would be worthy of eternal punishment in hell, and I know that. But the Bible is clear that a judgment waits the wicked And at the second coming of Christ, there'll be a worldwide judgment that's unparalleled in Scripture since the time of Noah's flood. We cannot ignore these passages of Scripture dealing with the righteous judgment of God. And folks, look, God does not want this. God wants you and I to be saved. God wants you and I to know him as our Savior. But unless we are willing to repent of our sin and turn to him and trust not in ourselves, not in our church membership, not in baptism, not in our tithes and offerings, or whatever we're holding up to God and saying, God, I am worthy to be in heaven with you because of who I am, because we are not. Why? We're all sinners. And let me get you to go... D, are you right? Would you go to the last scripture on there? Uh, Romans six twenty three. The last scripture on the PowerPoint. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. I know that. You've heard these verses so many times. Listen to this. Now we don't have Romans three twenty three up there, but remember, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. There's not a single one of us in this room is not a sinner. 
I hope that doesn't shock you. Because <laughs> if it does, you got some problems. But listen to what Paul writes. I love this verse. It tells the truth about the end result of sin, but it tells the truth about the free gift of God. Listen to this. The wages of sin is what? Death. That death is pictured in Revelation 19 and 20. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. And how do we get that eternal life? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that is why we make such a big to-do about asking Jesus to be our Savior. And again, I remind you of his words. He is the only way to the Father. But when we come in repentance of our sin, desiring that instead of rebelling against God, we would live for God, and acknowledging that we need a Savior, we cannot save ourselves. And we humbly ask him or plead with him to come in our heart and be our Savior. He does. That's the good news. That's the gospel. You know, probably many people wish that Revelation was not in the Bible because it paints an inspired picture of what is to come. Don't ever forget that the church is safe with Jesus. They've already gone to heaven with him. And folks, does the Lord Jesus want to come back with this rod of iron, with this wine press of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty? No. He died on the cross so that none would perish. But it's our decision. God gives us free choice. Do we say, well, God, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to see if my good works can get me into heaven. I'm going to see if my church membership. And I would warn you, that's not the way to heaven. The way to heaven is through the Son of God. He's paid the price on the cross. And he just says, come follow me. Just a moment after I pray, we're going to sing this old, old hymn softly and tenderly. That's how Jesus wants to speak this morning to your heart. Would you let him come in and be your Savior? And would you be willing to confess him before men this day and begin from this point to surrender your life in obedience to him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, help it not to scare us, but to assure us that we don't have to face the judgment that we rightly deserve for our sin. Thank you that in dying on the cross, Jesus took every sin that all of us have ever committed upon himself. And he died so that we would not stand under your judgment, but we would stand in your grace, your unmerited love and forgiveness which you offer us through your Son. God, I pray in these moments that your Holy Spirit would so impress upon hearts that Jesus is tenderly calling, that he wants all men, women, and children 
to be born into the kingdom of God and to be in eternity forever in heaven with him. God, help us if we haven't made that choice yet that we would choose Jesus. And Father, I pray for those that perhaps have doubts in their hearts and minds about their salvation. I just pray right now, Father, whether they come forward or not, that they would ask you again in their heart that if they're not saved, that today they would invite you in and know, and know that you are their Lord and their Savior, and that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they don't have to go through life wondering if they're saved or not. They can know because of what your Son has done for them, for us all. God, please, softly and tenderly speak to our hearts in the moments ahead. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our hymn is number 414. As the Spirit of God leads you, would you do what he's leading you to do? Let's stand. Thank you so much for this message today, and and we do look at our lives softly and tenderly, and we just know that you are calling us home, and we just ask that you be with us in our daily walks, and let us show our love for you through our actions, our deeds, and our words. Just be with us now as we go into the Sunday school hour, that we can hear more that will bring us closer to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.